Are you always questioning if you're a good enough mom? Are you burning the candle at both ends feeling desperate to find ways to take better care of your family? Welcome to the Busy Farm Mom. I'm your host, Amanda. We will be navigating motherhood, discussing nourishing food choices, holistic wellness, and of course, agriculture. We can gather around as friends in this space while being in our most chaotic stages of life. Whether you're chasing your toddler, preparing endless amounts of meals for your family, driving to work, or running the grain cart. This space is an opportunity to grow and learn simple tips to tackle the doubt that creeps in of, am I a good enough mom? Kick that thought out of your mind and come join our judgment-free zone where we will never question that you're doing a great job, mama. Let's get started. When I think of motherhood, I think of chaos. I think of overwhelm and always too much going on. It's stressful and at times it feels like it's all too much and that we have nowhere to turn. So I wanted this guest to come on here and talk all about her experience with this topic. She's a great example to follow. So today I'm going to talk to Kayla Josephiak. Hey, I said it right. You even told me and now I'm like, I second guessed it. (laughs) So we're going to talk about our relationship with Jesus and in the season of being a mom. So I want to talk about all things about having a foundation of faith, how that can help kind of calm the stress, the overwhelm, and overall help better us as moms. So after all, I feel like that's what God calls us to do, that we're supposed to be moms, that if that's our calling, that that is what we are supposed to be doing. And having him in our lives, it helps see that motherhood foundation and what what he's given us. So today we're just going to kind of deep dive a little bit into this topic because I feel like it's something that sometimes as moms we overlook and it's something that we need in our lives to settle the dust, if that's what you want to call it, or bring the calmness. So welcome, Kayla. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. I'm glad that this worked. So it's exciting to bring on guests. So If somebody doesn't know you already, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I am Kayla Josephiak. We had a good giggle before we started recording about my last name because it's hard to pronounce. And when we got engaged, the lady at the bridal shop, she genuinely asked me if I wanted to change my name to that. (laughs) So I was born and raised in Northeast Kansas on a purebred cattle ranch. So I grew up having yearly bull sales with my parents, um, sports and and cattle were pretty much my life growing up. I competed at a high level in, in volleyball, basketball, track and Olympic weightlifting. So sports, sports has always been like my heart and cattle as well. So long story short, went to K-State and battled my own demons there with mental health and just trying to figure out my place. And then on a total whim, I took a job in Western Kansas and I was like, oh, I'll just stay there for, you know, like a year or two, get my, get my feet wet and then move back home, do the K-State life. And I met my husband and he farms. We farm out here. And so as anybody listening who is in, in agriculture knows, you can't just pick up the farm and move. So I have now been out here for nine years. It was the best decision of my life, but I have walked a path of intense mental health issues, and then motherhood, which really changed my identity, changed who I was, and navigating all of that with my faith and trying to dive into my faith more 
that's genuinely why I'm sitting here today and why I'm alive and have have breath in my lungs. So that's just a little bit about me. There's there's a whole lot more and a lot more layers, but we don't have time for all of that today. So do you want to I mean, I know you said a little bit, but do you want to kind of share really how you got started on your journey and growing your faith or what what flipped that switch? What really brought it like to your family and everything like that? So that's a really funny question because I actually could say like at the age of five is when I dove into my faith life because when I was five years old, <laughs> I wanted a nun doll for my birthday. Like, because I'm Catholic, grew up Catholic. And I told my mom, I was like, mom, I want a nun doll. And she's like, well, why do you want a nun doll? And I was like, because I want to be a nun someday. So like from a very, very young age, which is really funny to me now because I'm married with four kids. But from a very, very young age, I felt so close to God. And like, I kind of get teary eyed thinking about it actually, because like, He's always been with me every single step of the way. And I went a long period of my life where I didn't want anything to do with him. I thought I could do it all on my own. And so from a very young age, I remember being like, hey, Jesus is here. And then, you know, you go through life, you go through middle school and high school and, you know, professing your faith and sharing your faith really isn't the cool thing to do, which makes me sad because now I'm like, that's all I ever want to talk about. But What really, really made me dive into my faith life and start exploring it just for myself was after I had my first daughter. I was four hours from my mom, which my mother and I are super, super close. And I struggled immensely with postpartum depression. And looking back now, even though it wasn't actually diagnosed postpartum anxiety as well. And there was a moment when my daughter was about six months old, seven months old, that I knew that the good Lord wrapped me in his arms and made me stop from driving right into a semi. My my postpartum depression had completely derailed who I was as a human being. And had it not been for the good Lord, I would not be here today. And so that is really like where I started to, okay, God, like, what do you want from me in this life? What, why am I here? Like I have this little baby who is such a good baby And I just feel like I don't want to live. She doesn't deserve me as a mother. Like everybody would be better off without me. And, you know, that was almost eight years ago. And so I started doing it for me. I started diving into my faith, talking to God, trying to be more more mindful. And then, you know, six and a half, seven short months later, my second daughter came. And okay, well, I'm still working on my faith. I'm still trying to like, do the thing and like be close to God, but I've got these two little babies and I had C-sections, so I couldn't even take care of my oldest daughter in the beginning. And then my second daughter was incredibly colicky. So my husband and I would take turns walking around at night and we'd maybe get four hours of sleep total. And I, I could feel myself slipping back into that postpartum depression, but I started just asking God, like pleading with him, like, please show me why I'm still here. Please show me why you have given me these babies, like why you trust me with this. Because I had two kids by the time I was 25. And I know that doesn't sound like super young, but in today's world, like my my daughters were 16 months apart. So I really started, you know, just like talking to him and it was all for me. I didn't want to share it with anybody. I didn't want to do any sort of like, hey, here's what my faith has done for me. I just did it solely to keep myself alive, which 
sounds really dramatic, but but that that has made your or changed your life. I mean, that has literally saved you in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. So so after my second daughter was born, 20 months later my son was born. So we 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 knew we wanted to have a big family. We knew we wanted to have kids close together. Sometimes I'm like, "Whoa, that's really close because if you're doing the math, I had three babies in 36 months and all three were C-sections. Mm-hmm. So my body was spent, like absolutely spent. And he actually came 6 weeks early. So we spent 2 weeks in the NICU with him in Wichita and again, still leaning on my faith, still like doing the thing for me. I talked with my husband some about it, but but really like I was just like trying to figure out where why I was here, what God wanted from me. And it was when Baker was born and his NICU stay that I really started to be like, oh, maybe I should like share more of this. And, and then everybody knows what happened in March of 2020 and the world shut down. And I'm at home with three little kids under four. And I just randomly started sharing my story on Instagram. And I I didn't talk about faith though. I thought I wanted to do like fashion stuff, which is really funny because if anybody follows me on Instagram, you know, like... I either look like a trophy wife some somewhat, or I look like the troll that you have to read riddles to. Like there's no in between with me. And so I started sharing my journey on Instagram. And again, it wasn't faith-based, but again, I was doing that work. I was, I was doing it for just myself. I didn't want to share with anybody. I didn't want to overwhelm anyone. And so fast forward a couple years in April of 2022, I gave birth to my daughter, my youngest daughter, Jenna. We call her JJ. And she was born at 37 weeks. And I was very upset about that because she actually ended up going to the NICU as well. And I thought, oh, like I'm going to finally have my golden hour. I mean, we were planning on her being my last baby. And I could just have that little tiny human resting on my chest for like six hours and not have to think about anything. And that's literally what kept me going through her pregnancy. And we had a lot of things before she was born that happened. We had a wildfire at our ranch. Um, We lost 60 head of cattle. We had a massive snowstorm that knocked out all of the power everywhere. And then we had a windstorm and then we moved literally all the week before JJ was born. And so when she was born and I, I, I kept waiting for them to bring her over and put her on my chest and Ty was looking at me, making sure I was okay because this was my fourth C-section and he was looking at her and making sure she was okay and she was blue and she wasn't crying. And I just kept waiting. And I remember in those moments being like, God, just make her be okay. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't care that I couldn't hold her. I just wanted my baby to be okay. And 36 short hours later, my husband and I both were in Kansas City at Children's Mercy because she actually had had popped a pneumothorax, which is a, she had a collapsed lung. Mm-hmm. And in those moments, I was so mad at God. I was so mad because yeah, she was going to be okay. It was a very acute case, but I was so pissed at him because I wanted to have that golden hour. Like I wanted that. And I didn't know why he had like put me in this position again with this baby who was supposed to be perfectly healthy at 37 weeks. And so in that little pumping cubicle, once every two and a half hours, I just started talking to him. And it wasn't like, it was prayer, but it wasn't pretty prayer. It was very messy. There were a lot of tears and I was mad at him. And 
And I still, up until June of this year, I didn't know why all of that happened. So I was pissed at God. Like I was mad. And, and I kept texting my parents and I was like, why are you doing this? Like, why is he doing this to me? Why are we stuck in Kansas City? Why am I not having this beautiful homecoming with my daughter, with my big kids in our brand new home? And, and eventually she's very similar to my older three, very much a go-getter, very loud, very opinionated, even at two weeks old. She got extubated. I finally got to hold her on my chest after eight days. So I had her. And then eight days later on April, for, April 9th, I got to hold her for the first time. And any nursing mothers out there, you know, like immediately all my milk came in. It was just like this big, huge thing. <laughs> but so we finally got to come home and she was great and she doesn't have any lasting effects from that. But I still was so pissed that we had to go through that again. My human nature, I was just like, why are you doing this to me again? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure it out and I didn't know why. And then in December of last year, December of 2022, my dad wasn't feeling good and um, we weren't in a great place. My dad and I weren't. And he went to the doctor and they found a mass. And so from December 22nd of last year until the 1st of January this year, we didn't know what it was. And the holidays were really hard because we knew that it was cancer, but we didn't know why. We didn't know what. We didn't know like what the prognosis was. Was this going to be the last Christmas with my dad? And we found out in January that my dad had stage four internal melanoma. So he had had melanoma when I was in college. They thought they got it all. If any of you are familiar with melanoma, it is a beast. It can go everywhere. It can actually be in your bloodstream, which is wild to me. So he had surgery in January and, and it was that diagnosis. And it was, it was all of that, that I realized like, okay, God's still working in this somewhere. And my dad and I started digging into our faith life together and we talk about it a lot and just like have that open and genuine conversation. But, but like I said before, up until June of this year, I was so pissed that Jenna had to be in the NICU and I attended an event in Colorado and I had a moment where God truly spoke to me and he said, you know, he said, you never would have been ready for your dad's cancer diagnosis if I wouldn't have been building your faith when JJ was in the NICU. And at the event, all the women there, like they knew I had been struggling because I weaned Jenna and they knew I had been struggling with like her NICU stay still. And I went and got a tattoo in memory of, of nursing all my babies. And I came back from that experience and some of my, some of my people that were there, they were like, Kayla, you're different. And I said, I know. I said, my dad, my dad's cancer diagnosis was, was the reason why JJ went to the NICU. And they're like, what? And I said, if I wouldn't have been putting in those hours and, and even hours of being pissed at God and talking to him, at least I was talking to him, you know? And if I wouldn't have had those moments in Kansas City in that pumping cubicle, I would have been so, so mad at him about my dad's cancer diagnosis. And now, I tell people, you know, my dad's cancer diagnosis has been one of the best things that's ever happened to our family, what's ever happened to me. And so that is a very long-winded version of kind of how I've got to where I am right now. But looking back, like it makes all those hard times, like, yes, they were hard. Yes, I wanted to scream and shout and punch a wall, but it made them all worth it because I would not be where I am today without, without those experiences. Yeah. 
I told you already, you're making me cry because everybody has their struggles and everybody relates in some way and maybe not to the same level that you do, but relating in, in a different level of me that I feel that so much because with my first born, we were able to bring him home. He was born early. Nothing was wrong with him. They didn't think. And then five days later, we were sent back for five days and stayed in the hospital. We were never to that extent. We were able to hold him. He was not in the NICU. It was nothing. I mean, it was serious. We didn't know what was wrong. But there again, I sat there staring at him laying there and was just like, how can I pray? What can I pray to God for? Like, I'm at this point. I'm a first-time mom. I am not at home with my babies. Baby. Didn't have babies. <laughs> Baby. And it was like, why Why is this happening? And so you just sharing that, you have no idea how many people relate to that. Well, it's it's one of those things where when we're in that moment, whether it's, you know, in the NICU or whether you're home and then you go back to the hospital or it honestly just goes to show that, and I say this all the time to my life coaching clients, like God is truly working everything for good. We cannot see it in the moment sometimes. And it's in the super hard moments where we're called to have that greater faith. And that greater faith might look like, hey, God, I'm really freaking mad at you because I'm stuck in Kansas City pumping again. Yeah. But in that moment, I had two choices. I could either be mad at him, talk to him, ask him why, or I could have shut him out completely and made him not a part of my life. And thankfully, I grew up in an environment and had always known he was there that I knew like, okay, well, he can at least handle me being mad at him because it's better than nothing. Yep. And I I relate in that so much. I grew up in Catholic family and community and that's that's all I've known and and so yeah I've seen that and I think a way that it brings back into our life we were not bad sitting in that hospital room but we went and we walked the halls and the the kids that I saw in there by themselves or that the nurse was like they're in there forever and you know, it's something that puts into perspective for us. We were able to be with our baby that whole time. One, work and our life allowed us to do that. And it was a short stay. But now it's like, okay, don't complain when I have to miss work because I have a sick kid with a fever. Don't complain when they're getting sick constantly because we could have it so much worse. And that I think is like one of the ways that God has kind of put that blessing in our life of changed our perspective of truly actually how blessed we are and not as a burden. And so I, I always kind of take that and turn it in an aspect of like, thank you, God, for giving us healthy kids, even when they're sitting there driving me absolutely nuts. I always tell my husband, I said, I would rather take this than an unhealthy child. And so that, that you saying that just brought up all the emotions of all that. Because <laughs> it's, it has been, and you don't realize it when you're in the moment, but like you get that brought up in the feelings and yeah, it just, that's where 
I feel like this is something that I wanted to talk about the the topic of all this. I didn't know I was going to go into this, but (laughs) the topic of it, because I feel like so many other moms can relate to this in some way or another, and it's not talked about enough. And so, yeah, yeah, really does set a foundation for us being the moms that we are. So with that, can you, I mean, tell us like how you incorporate your faith I, I get it. Not everybody is going to be a daily like structure of I do this, 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 and this. But can you just give us, you know, kind of examples of how you really bring your faith into your daily life and then incorporate that with your kids and your family and all together? So I'm giggling because I actually am kind of one of those people like I don't have like a set structure. I do have a devotional that I love to read and I try really hard to spend time in my Bible, but I'm, I'm not great at it sometimes. There's times where I am I get too busy, which is awful to say, but in the same breath, I know that I'm human. I know that that kind of stuff just happens. But one huge way that I find myself integrating my faith into my life all the time, and it's really funny, and my kids will be like, oh yeah, mom talks to herself a lot, but it's not me talking to myself. It's actually me just like, having that conversation with God. And I think sometimes we get so focused on prayer needing to look a certain way that we forget that he's a friend who's there that we can talk to anytime we need to. Yeah. And so, you know, while I adore listening to my rosary podcast and I love going to Sunday mass, I also know that prayer doesn't have to look a certain way, that it can be messy. And as far as like structure in our home, We say a meal prayer just to thank God for a safe and nutritious meal source. And then, you know, my kids, it's, it's kind of, we're kind of at a weird juncture right now because my oldest is seven and my youngest is 18 months. And so my oldest like wants to read all the time. And my youngest obviously just like needs to get her butt to bed. But, but when I put my, when I put my bigs to bed, my oldest will actually just sit down there and read her Bible. And she just like loves it because number one, it counts towards reading points. And number two, she just like loves the stories. And so I feel like that is just such a genuine and organic way for her to to see Jesus. And and as far as my middle two, they are their own little souls. Like they are so independent and funny. And we truly like I I feel like my my second oldest, she expresses her faith. She expresses her love of life through art. And so she's constantly coloring. She's constantly like, mom, I made this for you. Mom, I made this for Nana. And seeing that working in her heart, like, I love the idea of devotionals for kids. I love the idea of organized prayer. And I'm working on doing that as well. But when I see my kids having a good heart, that goes to show me like they they do know Jesus. And as they get a little bit older, like I plan on doing some more devotional type stuff, but just in those little moments and seeing him, seeing him in them is what makes me so happy as a mom. My oldest two do go to religion and they're super pumped for that. My oldest has first communion this year. And so like they get that exposure. We've gone to mass since they've been born, but I I sometimes feel like just that slowdown and that giving them the opportunity, like where can you see Jesus? And my my middle daughter, the one who loves art, she'll come up to me sometimes and give me a hug and be like, mom, do you want to be a saint? And oh, I'll just giggle because I'm like, yeah, I would love to, like, let's work on it. And then she'll just like go on her way. So I think it's just beautiful how children, when you yourself, like when you as a mom are 
putting in the work because I am diving way more into my faith life now than I ever have before. Mm -hmm. But when you as a mom are putting in the work and you're setting that example, but it's not like a, Hey, let's sit down. We have to pray, but living it or trying to live it. I think your kids just like soak it up like a sponge. And, you know, for my five-year-old to come, come up and say, mom, do you want to be a saint? I'm like, well, yes, I'd love to. And I love that you're thinking about that. Yeah, that's when you know that you're doing something right and and showing them what it is to have faith and you're you're setting that example. And I feel like I fall into that too because we're just in our house we're just a little bit too little to really get into, you know, the devotionals and stuff like that. But you know, when we go somewhere and grandma, grandpa's, anyone like that, and my oldest asks, mom, we forgot to pray before dinner. And it's like, okay, now we know we're doing something that, and not as a habit because it's something we do, but, you know, we have to say it slow. He has to say every word. He he knows what it means. And sometimes in the days of going to church when they're absolutely loud and obnoxious and it's like, Oh, I have to take a breath. I have to know, God, you are definitely here and you are. It's like, is this my penance? Or <laughs> yeah. sometimes I question, but it's it's setting that foundation for him. And I feel I feel like we're we're trying. We're we're doing what we can. We're doing doing our best. But I think I know myself I need to grow in grow in that and grow in how to show them as well. But we kind of discussed before we hopped on here. So it wouldn't be, obviously, we would not be moms, like you said, without our husbands. So a little bit kind of on marriage and faith in our marriages or like, obviously, our husbands, we all relate to farming. There's a lot in a farm family and a marriage that faith falls back on or we fall back on faith because it truly is a very hard and tolling time. So, you know, how do you, how do you respond to that? (laughs) So I actually was talking with my mom the other day and we were just discussing like how God is literally everywhere. And I said, you know, the inputs that we pay for, the seed that we pay for, nothing is cheap right now. And knowing that we're putting this tiny little seed in the ground in April and praying to God that we can have a harvest to cut in September and October, that has to take one of the most immense amounts of faith of anyone because you can't sit around and worry about it. You have to completely rely on God for that. And my husband and I both Faith is important, but he views faith a little differently. And it's not a bad thing. Like he's given me some beautiful insight, but he's one that he truly does have that rooted, deep understanding and faith that God will provide. Mm -hmm. He really, truly will. Like I'm a very high energy person. I'm a very much like animated go-getter and and he's a go-getter, but he's a silent go-getter. Yeah, Like he's one that wants to work and do the work and have that good harvest, but he doesn't, you know, and not that I'm one that wants to like, you know, tell all the things, but he's, he's just the silent leader, the silent partner. Like he's, he's the total calm to when I'm in chaos and just having him as that example 
and having, you know, even those moments where we'll just like lay in bed and be like, Hey, is there anything like we need to pray about or anything? And again, it's kind of like prayers messy and it's not always great. And sometimes it really is like a text, like I'll text and be like, Hey, I'm having a rough day. Like this, this day is hard for me. And he'll be like, I love you. I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. And then just, just that simplicity of it, you know, the way him and I interact and the way that we are together. I think if we actually like went on any sort of like Christian retreat, I would probably drive him insane <laughs> because, because I am so high energy. But I think just always knowing, like you said, like you have to have that faith of some sort. You have to have that, even that tiny little mustard seed of faith to be in agriculture. Mm-hmm. And everybody shares their journey differently. Everyone has a different faith. No, no relationship with God looks the same for two people. But I think that in knowing that we can count on him and that he is good and that he is faithful and that even though things might seem really, really hard, knowing that in the end, it will all be working for good. I mean, it takes utter and blind trust. It really, truly does. And it's hard. And sometimes you want to scream, but I will tell you in the last six months, since I've started this life coaching journey that I'm on, I am a way more trusting person in God. I am actually a little bit more laid back about stuff because I know I actually can't control it. Yeah. And in knowing that I can't control it, I've actually lightened my own burden of carrying around things that I had no right carrying around before. Yeah. that That's really where I feel like as moms having faith that that can help because when it comes to that burden or you being anxious or being scared honestly like you said a messy prayer calms my nerves probably better than anything i remember so my parents live about 20 minutes away and i remember my oldest when he was anywhere from like six months to 12 months, absolutely hated his car seat and he would just scream. So as soon as we would get two minutes away from my parents and I'd be driving at night home and it would be dark and he would be in the back seat screaming, I would pray very messy prayers or I would over the screaming try to get out like the rosary or something like that of actually getting the prayers and then losing track and just picking up somewhere along the way. And that got me home so many nights because of that calmness of just, oh, I can breathe instead of like, why is he crying? Why is this happening? What's wrong? What am I doing wrong? I don't even want to go to my parents. But it eased that to be able to at least make it home. (laughs) In, yeah. in, in not a basket case, but there again, you're pumping or you have a crabby baby and yeah, that kind of why God, why? But if you just take a moment, kind of a breath of fresh air, it just almost takes like the weight off your chest. Just say a few words. Like you said, it doesn't have to be clean cut, a straight out prayer, just talk. And I think that helps release some of that chaos and stress and anxiety over being a mom, whether it's 
you know, as a baby, that's obviously really hard. I'm not to that point, but I pray already for the day when what if my kid gets teased, picked on, or praying how to handle situations if my kid is the one being mean, or to set up the foundation that I hope to goodness I teach them well enough not to be that person. And so, you know, you can already be thinking of so many things that could be in the future that I'm not even attached to yet. And I'm worrying about it. And it's like, one step at a time. And so that's what I'm really lately focusing on of like, okay, live in the moment, pray for my kids, and God will be there. He will set the path of what is going to happen and and calm those fears. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned it a little bit. You are doing new things here. So okay, we'll link all your stuff so people know, but can you talk about your new endeavors of being a life coach and your fortitude? Yeah. So fortitude actually is my group. We get together once a week for a Zoom. There's a Bible study, there's a workbook. And this all came from a place of right before I got pregnant with my youngest, I was really, really pushing working out, which working out is still a huge part of my life. But I started these, what I called KJ challenges. And so they'd be like monthly challenges and you'd get like half the pot of whatever people paid. And after, after deep thought about that, and after like really digging in and being like, what is the purpose for these? I didn't want people just, you know, going all out for 30 days, just for some sort of monetary reward. And so the idea of fortitude was born. And so it's a, it's a three month virtual retreat. So like I said, we have a weekly Zoom. We share wins. We share how we're feeling in that moment. We share this Bible study that I have, the, I've written them or we're utilizing some sort of verse mapping or something like that. And just that place for like sisterhood and camaraderie and like knowing that there are people rooted in Christ with you that are praying for you and that are there for you. And I was worried about starting this one in during fall harvest because it's super busy. And already I have had women in the group and myself say, this is the best thing that I have right now. Like this is what I look forward to because it keeps us grounded and rooted in faith. And I think it's so easy when we get busy to just throw our our faith to the wind. And so that's my fortitude group. So they're like, once I do them quarterly, um, so this is my second one. I took the summer off, but I plan on launching another one in January. I actually am working on the workbook for that already, which is super exciting. And then I also have been finishing up certification for life coaching. So whenever I said that my dad getting sick was one of the best things that ever happened to me, I've told my husband that I never would have pursued life coaching and life coaching certification if my dad wouldn't have gotten sick Mm -hmm. because it's been a dream since my second daughter was born. I have a notebook from 2017 that says Kayla Josephiak accountability coaching or Kayla Josephiak life coaching. And I never did anything with it. And I actually was presented with the opportunity to go back to teaching and I didn't want to do it because it wasn't worth the money that they were able to give me to find daycare, put the amount of hours in that a teacher does for lesson preps and all of that. 
And so my husband and I had this moment where like from the notebook, when Noah asks Allie, he's like, what do you want? And like, we had that moment. Like he genuinely asked me, he's like, what do you want from life? And I was like, well, I want to be a life coach. And he looked at me and kind of smirked and he's like, what's a life coach do? Teach people how to live? And I was like, well, yes, in a very like direct way. Yeah. But, but I had been researching. I knew what certification program I wanted to go through. And it was really, really important for me to get certified, to go through trainings because in the United States, you don't actually have to have any sort of sort of certification to call yourself a life coach. And I didn't want to do that to my potential clients. I wanted them to know that I was equipping them with tools that are based in science, based in psychology that would help them become the best version of themselves, become the version that God created them to be. So I started with the Health Coach Institute in May, and I am about six weeks away from finishing up certification. So the middle of November, I will be fully certified health and life coach and I already have clients right now. We are in like weeks one through seven and it's just been, it's been so good. It's been so much more than I could have ever imagined. Actually, the other day I had a session and I had my AirPods in. So, you know, it was, it's completely confidential, but my husband was getting lunch and so he could only hear me. And I got off that call and he goes, I just want you to know that you're really good at that which made me laugh and kind of cry because I don't do it for any sort of accolade. I'm not doing it so that anybody can know me more or grow. Like that's not why God put this on my heart. God put this journey on my heart because I want to help these women and no one's broken. Nobody needs fixed, but I just want to help them realize like the life that we live can be so much bigger and so much better and fuller And it doesn't always have to be more. Like we don't always have to be doing all the things. We can actually be happy and content on our family's farm, raising your babies. Like there's a joy in just being. Yes. And and there's a joy in being able to look in the mirror and say, hey, I love myself like Jesus loves me. And so uncovering all those layers, digging into all the life coaching stuff, it's just been it's been so, so much better than I ever could have imagined, but I never would have taken that step. I never would have enrolled in these courses. I never would have entertained the idea of going back to school to get my master's if my dad wouldn't have gotten diagnosed with cancer in January. Yeah. And so in knowing that and in knowing in my heart that is one of the true purposes of my dad's illness, I'm not mad that he's sick. And he's doing really well. And thank God for modern medicine because the treatment that he's on, they didn't have when he had it when I was in college. And it's just, it's one of those crazy divine things that can only be described as a God thing. And it's not, um, it's not anything else. Like it's nothing I have done. I tell clients, I tell friends, I tell family, I tell anybody who will listen, like I am simply God's instrument on this earth. And he has called me to this place of helping women know their worth, know their worth in Jesus and know that they can live a life that is all giving the glory to God. Yeah. That takes a lot of time and effort for someone to realize that and get to the point that you are. You mentioned a little bit there that when you're helping people, you want to show them that 
you can be happy with where you are. And I like that you bring that up because I think that is a really big thing right now. Social media, we all talk about it. It's great, but it also has its downfalls. And everyone is comparing. Everyone is like, why am I not that farm mom? Why am I not this farm mom? And I 100% love that you said that, that you can be content just at the farm raising your babies. Like, if that is what you are meant to do, you can be happy just doing that. And no one needs to judge you for that. And I like that because I do. I'm I'm guilty. I will be the first to admit I compare and it's like, well, I don't get to stay home with my babies all the time. Like I have to work a job outside of home. And so yeah, I, I fall into that comparison game and it is hard, but I, I like that you are helping helping so many and getting started on this journey. So yeah, it's, it's to the talk, to talk to the point of social media, it is a beautiful tool. It has brought me some of my absolute closest best friends, the people that I talk to every day, the people that I text and be like, does this outfit look good? Or, Hey, my kids are driving me nuts. Can you help me? But it also is that place where the devil resides. And I know that that sounds so like intense, but I shared a reel a couple of days ago and it said, if the devil can't make you sin, he can make you busy. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a quote from a podcast. And, you know, if you step back and you look at your life, where do we spend 30 minutes, an hour, six hours a day, aimlessly scrolling, aimlessly not doing what we know we need to do because we are distracted by that little rectangle in our pocket. Mm-hmm. And in knowing that, yes, social media is beautiful. You can build a business, you can meet friends, you can network, any of those things. But you also have to be incredibly mindful that that's not the real world. Like that is not your physical human form that God gave you. That is just simply a persona that you have. And and I love social media. I lo- like reels make me laugh. And I've been on this kick lately of like giving myself about 15 minutes to find a hilarious reel. And it's great. But in the same breath, like I'm here to tell you that if there's somebody in that space that makes you feel less than, makes you feel like you aren't doing enough, if there's somebody in that space that is making you feel less than or making you feel like I can, I'm not doing enough or I need to be doing all the things or I need to start doing X, Y, and Z, unfollow them, mute them. Just give yourself the grace to know that you don't have to be doing all the things all the time. There's a season. There is a purpose for where you are. And to wrap all of that up from a biblical standpoint, it all happens in God's timing. It does not happen in ours. You know, if I'd have started a life coaching business seven years ago, probably would have flopped. Yep. And I wouldn't have had the experiences and I wouldn't have had the faith backing that I have right now. And so just knowing that everything absolutely happens in his time, like you can take all the masterminds, the courses, the the whatevers that you need to, which are great tools. But at the end of the day, until you truly sit back and listen to God's call, it's not going to work out the way that it is supposed to. Yeah, that is such, such great advice. So I'm going to ask every guest one question at the end. So what is one piece of advice that you wish someone would have shared with you about motherhood? Oh man, that's there's so many good pieces that I've gotten in the last eight years. But I think that 
something along the lines of motherhood rooted in faith. It's not necessarily that it makes motherhood easier, but it makes the grace that you'll receive easier to get. Yeah. And there's moments where I struggle because motherhood is not always easy for me. And in those moments where I want to be angry or I want to be upset or I want it to look a certain way, knowing that I just need to give myself that grace that he gives me every single day and then actually allowing myself to do it, actually allowing myself to give myself that grace and know that my home doesn't have to look perfect. My babies are clothed like they might not match, but I don't care. They got clothes on. And just knowing that, you know, I hear people say all the time, like, oh, give yourself some grace, give yourself some grace, but then actually doing it, following through on giving yourself that grace that you know comes from him and him alone. I think that that is without a doubt the most pivotal place that I have gotten to in motherhood. Because in those moments where I wanted everything to look perfect or I didn't give myself that grace, I would spiral and turn into this person I didn't want to be. And so, yeah, just saying that you're going to give yourself that grace and then actually doing it is is huge. And it comes from fully relying on God and everything. Yeah, I think that is great advice for moms. So Thank you so, so much for joining me this morning. This has been a great conversation. I've loved it. It's near and dear to my heart. And I think it needed to be talked about, needs to be talked about. And I just love that you are a shining light on focusing on your faith, on a Christ-centered life, and showing others that we definitely need people like you to share it and preach it to others and show show them how great it can be. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Yes. Excited for your podcast and to follow along. Yay. (laughs) Thank you so, so much. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you feel more equipped to take on your role of everyday life as a busy farm mom. I hope to continue the learning and conversation with you on Instagram. You can find me at 2383 Farms. And if you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot to share to your stories, share it with another mom friend, or leave a review. This helps me reach more and more overwhelmed moms looking for quick, helpful tips. Thank you again. You're doing great, mama. See you next time.